Hello and welcome to California Oil. I'm Jason Harding. And I'm Daniel Plainview. And on this show, we rate and review how successful oil men are in California here in the 1920s. Isn't that right, Daniel? That's correct. I hear that you've hit some hard times with some of your wells. Is that true? No, that's not true. Those are vicious rumors being spread by envious people. One of those rumors is that your son is going to strike out on his own and sink some wells in Mexico. I don't know where you're getting your information from, but that's absolutely not the case. Well, right here in the newspaper, dipshit. (laughs) And would that newspaper be the failing Los Angeles Times. Oh, actually, no. They've just increased their subscription rate. Also, the Examiner and the Chronicle. It's all over the state. Your son, your son's quoted as, "Ha ha! I will beat the old man at his own game." Fake news. He also revealed that he's actually not deaf. In that case, I'd like to give him a piece of my mind. I bet you would. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to, I almost said, the other show. I don't think I'm well enough to do this, Steve. I'm going to try it again. Try it again. Give it another shot. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to, I want to do it again. (laughs) Steve, you do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I'm Steve Shives. And I'm Carbuncle Bong Bong. That's not your name, honey. It's my name now. I'm Carbuncle Bong. Don't you remember your name? I don't remember anything. I've had COVID all week. And I'm Jason Harding. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is sterling, isn't it? Its reputation is best movie ever, and I like it a lot. (laughs) What movie is the best movie ever, (laughs) and Steve likes it a lot? It is, of course, the 2007 epic period drama, according to Wikipedia. There will be blood. Yay! There is eventually. There sure is. Lots oh of it. boy. Oh boy. Oh boy, there will be blood. Hey, Steve, do you have any trivia for. I don't know why am I asking. This is like the, what you watch before you go to bed every night. <laughs> hey, Steve, what's the trivia you have for There Will Be Blood? I actually play it in my sleep to influence my dreams. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Plainview sleep hypnosis days? I'm like. <laughs> I'm like tossing and turning at night going, I'm an oil man, oil man. Your your need for cigarettes, for cigarettes, (laughs) is a moral failing in you. (laughs) A loaf of bread is not a luxury. I know, I know. Um, How are they working? Well, I feel bad. Um, I'm not smoking anymore and I've ate five loaves of bread. (laughs) And I hate everybody. <laughs> I think it's working. Um, so yeah, here's some trivia. Uh, Dylan Frazier, who is the kid who plays HW, Daniel Plainview's son, yes. was not an actor. And in fact, I think this is his only credit to date. Uh, he was a kid who Good for you. He was a yeah, I know, get out get in and get out, kid. No, I mean, good for you for stealing from my segment. Oh, anyway, sorry. yeah, he wasn't an actor, I, was he? I thought I would. I thought I would take advantage of you in your weakened, sick condition. Thanks. Uh, but, Why don't you just hold me on the ground, cover my mouth, and shoot me in the head? Okay. Wait, are you saying you're not really my brother? <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk later. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, he he was just a kid who Paul Thomas Anderson found in the neighborhood while they were shooting the movie. He went to school nearby where they were shooting, and he asked his mom, you know, would would you mind if your son was in the movie? I think he'd be good for it. And so Dylan's mom went and rented a Daniel Day Lewis movie to see what mm -hmm. what her son might be in for. And the movie she rented was Gangs of New York. Go for her. And she became concerned after watching Gangs of New York about her son spending so much time with Daniel Day-Lewis because apparently mom didn't know how fucking movies work. No, but they also put a bunch of money in her hands. Shut up, shut up. Here, how... Give us your son. Maybe, Tell us your child. Maybe this will change your mind. Actually... Do you know how creepy it is that an adult walked into a school went, mm, that one. <laughs> that child and shall be they, in my film. <laughs> And then knowing what we know now about Hollywood, Steve, I don't like Cat. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure everyone was wonderful to him. Perfectly innocent. Right. Perfectly innocent. Um. Yeah. Daniel Day Lewis in real life is a pussy cat. He's a wonderful. Nothing. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure. And I'm sure mm -hmm. he wasn't like being plain view to the kid like all the time and being like you know. Oh no, he's in character all the time. <laughs> just being you know just that. being abusive to him between takes. But we <laughs> we have comment we have commentary about that because the relationship with his son is the only good relationship that's true that's true he doesn't really uh it doesn't turn super dark between the two of them until the kid is grown up until yeah. the kid betrays yeah. him yeah. yep anyway yeah. um stupid kid stupid kid why why would you ever do that <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, also, uh, Paul Dano was originally cast only to play the part of Paul. And mm -hmm. then after filming began, Paul Thomas Anderson decided, actually, let's have Paul and Eli be twin brothers. And Paul Dano, you can play Eli, the much larger role as well, which, mm -hmm. which you would think is like, you know, that's great news to an actor. You get a much larger role sure. in this prestigious movie. Unfortunately, Paul Dano only had a few days to prepare before filming his first scenes as Eli. Eli, whereas Daniel Day-Lewis had been given literally years to prepare to play Daniel Plainview. Yeah. And keep that in mind when you... Suck it up, Paul well, Dano. I, well, I'm just... I mean, keep in mind when you watch that movie, Paul Dano gives that performance as Eli, having <laughs> been literally handed that role at the last minute. He is so good in this movie as Eli, and he had a few days to prepare for his first scenes, and uh, it's it's fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. If uh, I love it. If the voice and speech mannerism and body language of Daniel Plainview seems somewhat familiar, but you can't quite place them. It might be because it's my grandpa, <laughs> because Daniel Day Lewis based his performance partially on John Houston, and I tried to run into the movie and hug him. Well, grandpa, where have you been? You're so much younger. Don't touch me. It is you, Grandpa. Mm -hmm. um, also, this is one last bit of trivia. At one point during production, this movie was shooting right next to No Country for Old Men. As it was. And they were actually, I think they were, uh, they were testing the special effect for the fire when the oral Derek catches fire and the smoke blew mm -hmm. over into the location where no country were. Yeah. And they had to delay filming, but I just think it's cool. Like both of those, those two movies wound up not only being the, you know, the most honored movies that year, but they've since become, you know, two of the great movies of the century so far. And they were shooting right next to each other. Yeah, so that's right. There you go. That's all I got. They should have combined, should have combined cast. No country for blood. There will be no country, country for blood. 
and Anton Chigurh should have wandered on to the and to the drill site. Now, see now, I'll, now that is. I'll, I'll get your. I'll get your bet. I'll get your bet to work hard. <laughs> Who wins if if the, if it comes down to like a, a a conflict between Daniel Plainview and Anton Chigurh? Who is your money on there? Anton Chigurh. I think pro. Yeah, you're probably right. He's a psychopath with psychopath. Strength. I don't know if he, yeah. it's him. <laughs> I don't know if Plainview could take him in a fight. Anton Chigurh is not trying to win a popularity contest. He's not trying no. to convince people no. of anything. He's just walking in with his can with his can of condensed air <laughs> and his fucking bolt gun. Exactly. Oh, what he would do is he would ask Daniel Plainview a question, and while Plainview was answering, he would just zap him in the head with the bolt gun, and that would be the That's end. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There you go. There you go. Is that all your trivia? That's all my trivia. Yeah, it's my turn for the Who Maids. You ready? Let's do it. It is directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. You know him. He's directed other movies like Phantom Limbs. <laughs> Phantom Limbs. I want to see that. So do I now. No, what was it called? Phantom Thread yeah. and uh, Boogie Nights and The Master and what else? Magnolia. Oh, uh, Punch Drunk Love, Magnolia. He's made some movies. Um, the screenplay by Paul Thomas Anderson. It's him again. Look at that. Based on oil. Kind of. <laughs> based Sinclair. on part of oil by Upton Sinclair. Yeah, it's based on like the first 140 pages. <laughs> Produced by Joanne Sellar, Anderson movies. Also, Paul Thomas Anderson, Anderson movies. And <laughs> what, what did you know? And Day, uh, excuse me, Daniel Lupi, Anderson movies. So he's got a little crew set up so he can make his movies, thank God. <laughs> because I don't think Hollywood's interested in making him another, you know, him making another one. But I mean, he still gets them done and people still see him because he's a goddamn American filmmaking genius yep. and we should leave him alone. Let him do his thing. Let him do let him do his thing. Starring Daniel Day-Lewis is Daniel Plainview and you know Daniel Day-Lewis. He was in movies like The Last of the Mohicans and My Left Foot and Gangs of New York and Lincoln and what else? Um, Tons of others. A know. bunch, yeah. Oh my God. Um, He's known as a In the name of the actor. father, is, The Age of Innocence. In the name of the father, yeah. And he's known for being kind of a method actor and getting way into character and that's just the way he works he's not he's not nearly as toxic as say brando or some other guys were when they were doing the method um he's great he's literally he's the great one of the greatest actors we have yeah um he keeps threatening and saying i think i'm just gonna retire and, and cobble shoes and i'm like you shine on you crazy diamond you do whatever <laughs> do whatever you want, you want. exactly <laughs> You, everyone says, "Oh, but all the movies." Like he's given us what he wants to give us. Don't don't force people to make movies when they don't want to do it. You know, I would love for there to be one more really great Gene Hackman. Oh, sure, of course. But if he doesn't want to fucking do it, leave the man alone. Exactly. If he just wants to sit and jerk off at his fucking mansion making Lowe's money, then that's what he gets to do. <laughs> Also starring Paul Dano as 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 Paul Sunday and Eli Sunday, and he's been in Twelve Years a Slave and The Batman and a bunch of other stuff. You know, I heard someone say that Paul and Eli that Paul doesn't exist. That there's a dumb theory out there that says yeah. Paul doesn't exist. That's just Eli pretending to be Paul. And I was like, no, no. no he talks about Paul no. to his dad. There, it's obvious that he talks about Paul to his yeah. father. And at the end, Plainview talks about what Paul's doing. Yeah. And Eli doesn't say, the "Ha ha, there is no Paul, you fool." <laughs> <laughs> like... I fooled you all. <laughs> 
Which that would have no, been the time Paul to bring did, it up. Paul made his money and he fucking left. Yep. Paul was Paul That's was the smart Paul one. Did. As Plainview says, Paul was, Paul was the smart one. He was. He was. He was. The, he what did he call him the prophet? Yeah. He was the prophet. He was the chosen. <laughs> they should have kept you in a glass uh, jar. <laughs> Kevin J. O'Connor is Henry, and, and uh, you'll know him from The Mummy, and he was in G.I. Joe. He usually plays comic characters. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, no. You know what? I think I'm getting everything mixed up. No, I'm not. Yeah, he's, you're thinking no, of the right not. guy. I'm fine. Okay. Syrian Hines. His name is Syrian. I thought it was pronounced Kieran. Isn't it? It's spelled Syrian, but I is thought it, it was Kieran? pronounced Kieran. Oh, I could be wrong. Maybe it is Kieran. I don't know. As Fletcher Hamilton, and you know him from uh, the first time I saw him was, I think, the cook, the thief, the wife, and the gross ending. Um, <laughs> have you ever seen that I've movie? I've never seen it, but now I really want to. You need, <laughs> you need to see it. You need to see it. Oh boy, I was not prepared when I saw that in high school. I was like, oh boy, first date, and then it's like, oh, there's maggots. Um, <laughs> He's he was also in Game of Thrones and he's been in a ton of other stuff. Too. Um, Dylan Frazier is H. W. Plainville. Nothing like Steve said when he stole from my segment. I'm sorry. He's never been in anything else. They they, they went in. They bought a, a child for the production, and I guess they they bought a one child. Morning he woke up. And one morning he woke up, came out of his tent, and the entire crew had gone. And there was a note with maybe half an eaten sandwich saying, "You live that way." And he just, <laughs> "Mama, Mama, I'm done with the." movie sorry she took all the money that they paid her and she went to vegas she, showed, she shows up like uh <laughs> like the family in a million dollar baby when they come to her hospital room yeah. they've been to disney world before they came to see their paralyzed daughter sorry sorry kid your mom has done spent all the money she's full of heroin and she's cooking up a little sister <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood, kid. I don't know why I'm so dark. Yeah, welcome to Hollywood. Uh, Russell Harvard as adult H.W. Plainfield, and he is a, um, a uh, hearing impaired actor. So they didn't fart around. They didn't get someone to pretend to be deaf to play this. Imagine character. that. Actually got yeah, I know. It's amazing. Um, and uh, he's been in Fargo, the series, and something called The Hammer. I don't know what yeah, that I haven't is. seen that. Uh, it's a movie. <laughs> Sydney McAllister as Young Mary Sunday. Nothing. Colleen Foy as adult Mary Sunday, nothing. David Willis as Abel Sunday, nothing. Hans Howes as Bandy, nothing. Paul F. Tompkins as Prescott. Blink and you won't even see yeah. <laughs> But you guys know him as Mr. Peanut Butter and he was on Mr. Show. Yeah. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Jim Downey as uh, Al Rose. He was uh, a writer on SNL. He, I recognized him once I got past his beard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then um, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, shit, I know that guy. Um, I th isn't he? It's not Jim Downey. Jim Downey didn't write the deep thoughts. So no, you're thinking of Jack Handy. That was someone else. I'm thinking Jack of Jack Handy. Handy. Mm -hmm. uh, David Warshawski as H.M. Tilford. Nothing. And Barry Del Sherman as H.B. Ailman. Nothing. I'm sure they've done other stuff, just nothing notable. I'm, they all walk around and get free dinner for being in this movie. Yeah. So calm down. I wish I could be a background character in this movie. I, I wish I was the guy that got hit by the pipe. I would have been that guy in a that heartbeat. That could have been me. That could have been me. I could have gotten hit in the face of the pipe. I wish, I wish I had died at the bottom of an oil well and there will be blood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, cinematography for Robert Elswit and um, well, Anderson films. Um, but he's also did like Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. And uh, most recently, he was the cinematographer on King Richard, the last darling of uh, yeah. the Academy Award. The, uh, yeah, the movie about the Williams sisters <laughs> is actually about their dad. Yeah. 
Edited by Dylan Teichenor. Just doing did movies like Zero Dark to Thirty, Eternals. Mm. Oh boy. And and Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Music by Johnny Greenwood. He's in Radiohead. And he's also done things for like The Phantom Thread and other Anderson. Mm. He did a good job in this Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. He did a it's a fantastic score. Anderson yeah. said, Hey, it's a horror movie, and he went, Got it. <laughs> That's it, exactly. Make everything sound production, super scary. Mm-hmm. Production companies, Gullardi Film Company, Scott Rudin Productions, distributed by Paramount Vantage in the United States, and Miramax Films in internationally. It was released on December 26, 2007. So you opened up all your presents. You're sitting there drinking your eggnog, and, you know, the fire's going. Kids are asleep. And then all the wrapping material, your stuff full of turkey or ham or whatever bullshit you guys shovel down your throats at Christmas. Christmas time and, and your wife turns to you and say, Do you want to go take the kids to a movie tomorrow? And you're like, Yeah. And something mean inside just says, Let's go see There Will Be Blood. Except you don't say, Let's go see There Will Be Blood. You say, Let's go see that Daniel Day Lewis movie. Yeah. And your wife goes, I like him. And you're like, Yeah. And you're like, Do you think it'll be okay for the kids? And that demon stokes that fire deeper inside you and you say, Yeah, I think it'll be great. I think it'll be great for them. And then you make quiet yet kind of violent love to your wife on the couch with children sleeping right there <laughs> safe in the knowledge that you're going to destroy your family the next day they'll be great <sighs> it happens who knows how I don't many know times why I'm in such, <laughs> i don't know why i'm in such a bad mood steve but i am i liked this movie why am usually i'm not in this mood unless i had to watch something that i hate i don't know but i i kind of dig it okay, i think it's working for whatever. you i think you should steer into it i think it's working for you whatever my dark golem i don't need you egging me <laughs> the on the devil on your shoulder yes yes <laughs> say more mean nasty things <laughs> Exactly. All right, Steve. Yeah. All right. You ready to go buy a lease? Get us some land? I am. You ready to go drilling for some Earl? Yeah. In, Cal- in the early California desert? But, and let's, but listen, what? when we buy the land, we can't give them oil prices, okay? Let's give them pheasant prices. Okay. I'm easy. You do whatever you want to do, Pop Pop. Okay. I'm just going to stand here not being deaf for a little for while. For a little while. I'm going <laughs> to enjoy my hearing. Okay? Let's me and you run into this... Well, let's just face it. Baby's first primer for capitalism. Exactly. <laughs> there will be blood, Steve. Yeah. Take it away. Oh, boy. We open on the scrub desert of New Mexico, and, mm. and an opening title tells us it's 1898. And the music tells us... That this is... It's a horror movie. <laughs> this is going to be some upsetting shit. Um, and we we find ourselves down in a hole with a guy daniel plainview who's there all by himself just going to town on the side of this silver mine with a pickaxe sure just absolutely working it over and the movie makes it look as romantic and wonderful as it really was yeah he's it's a guy in a hole hacking away at the side with an axe and you get the Mm -hmm. feel and he's 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 filthy and his beard is grown out and completely untended and you get the impression that he has been here for a long time doing this by himself um, yeah. and he is he is tireless and relentless mm-hmm. and then we cut to him having some good times um, huddled by a fire up on the nighttime yeah. with some thunder rolling in boy he looks like he's living his best life he's exactly he's having the best time ever cut to him going back down right right and he's putting some dynamite in the wall right because 
because he's he's found then, he's he's found he's mining for silver and he's found some silver so he's gonna use the dynamite to blow the hole a little bigger and he gets he so he gets the dynamite in and he lights the fuse and he climbs out but uh-oh he has his his bucket full of samples and tools and stuff on a pulley so he can pull it up out of the hole and it's a little heavy he can't quite yeah maybe he should have done that before he lit the fucking dynamite maybe Steve. he should have you know it's a little late maybe now. daniel daniel plainview ain't exactly the smartest tool in the shed maybe he acts sometimes before he thinks yeah that there you go mm-hmm. and maybe this will be a part of his character throughout the film <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, the uh the the dynamite goes off and so now he has to climb back down in the hole, but on his way down, the the ladder breaks and he falls most of the way and breaks his leg, but mm-hmm. he rummages around in the rubble down there and he finds a sample of the silver ore and he's like, "This is all I need." And he the crazy son of a bitch drags himself back up the ladder with one leg and we are led mm-hmm. to believe that he drags himself across the desert with his one good leg flat on his back. To stake his claim. Yeah, to get to go to the nearest town to stake his claim, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cut to. Uh, it's what, 1901 now? Mm-hmm. Something like that? And now he's working in an oil yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, they make that look like it's such a fun job. Oh, Jesus. Doesn't it just look like a fun job to just dig in the muck and the filth of the earth? <laughs> to puncture a vein of earth, earth's blood, to have it splurt and splosh all over you and pro- potentially kill you. And you could catch on fire and you could die or the scalping, scaffolding can come down and kill you and that's what happens. There's a dude that is working on this pit and uh, he's got a kid and they strike oil and they start, they're start. they starting to extract the oil and then apparently they have to keep two men down at the bottom of the well to suffer. Yeah, to fill that's up... That's all I could think to of. Fill up the, thing, to fill up to the fill buckets. buckets with oil, I guess because they don't have... You see at one point Plainview is sketching what looks like an oil pump. So I guess mm-hmm. in this movie like he sort of invents that himself but it's not there yet so the only way to get the oil up out of the hole is to just do a bucket brigade bucket it out <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so that's what they're doing and a piece of the derrick breaks off and falls into the hole and cracks the guy in the skull and kills him killed him dad yeah and so he's like hey free baby <laughs> exactly Cool. And then we show him on a train with the baby. Mm-hmm. And we hear a voiceover, and it's Daniel Plainview, and it's later now. Yep. It's 1911? Yes. Yeah. And Steve gets to do all of the Daniel Plainview stuff. <laughs> I should look up his exact his exact quote, because this, this is one of his his most... They were, he gives two sort of very celebrated... Well, this is his pitch. This is his sales does, pitch, yeah. And he does it... Mm-hmm. We see him do two versions of it, um, and this is the first one. Let me see if I can find the... I'm going to do it. Hey, stupids, listen up. I'm here with money, see, and I can do it better than anybody can. And you better not let me go because you're not going to make money with with those other guys like you would with me because I know everything about the oil business, see, you bunch of dummies. And now I'm going to... Now you won't. You started fighting, so I'm going to leave. So long, assholes. Yeah, Yeah, I wouldn't take this lease if you gave it to me or if you begged me to take it or something Mm -hmm. like that. And then Paul F. Tompkins is like, but wait! And he leaves with his son because he's... you know, the kid's older and he like gestures to him and he says that this is his son. And, uh, 
he goes back to his uh, little headquarters, I guess. Yeah. And his his partner's like, excuse me, excuse me, Dan, Daniel, there's a guy. No one's really scared of him. But no. he's like, there's a guy here. He wants to talk to you. He's like, well. And he's like, up in the office. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can you go up there and talk to him? Oh, oh, why didn't you just say so? And he goes up there and he talks to him. And who is it, Steve? It's Paul. Hi, I'm Paul. And he says, hey, so I hear you. I hear you. I hear you look for oil. And Plainview's like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know where there's some oil. Okay. Well. Do you even know what oil is? <laughs> I, I'm not dumb. He holds up like a bottle of milk and goes, is this oil? <laughs> Tell me what this is, Paul. Does it squirt out of a out of a goat's teeth? <laughs> no, I'm not dumb. You're I know describing what milk. Um, you know, Paul is very cagey. He 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 won't yeah. he won't tell Daniel even what town he's from until he gets an agreement for payment because he's like that's what I'm selling you if I tell because you because he is smart. Yeah. yeah, he is not. He's making his money where he feels that he can make it. Yeah, and that is as the scout, right? Basically, letting Plainview know where the oil is. He gets paid basically mm-hmm. like a finder's fee and then gets to go off and you know do whatever he does he gets more money later on as we find out yeah. but um he agrees you know five hundred dollars i'll tell you where it is he shows him where it is he says the oil's just laying on the ground it's just right there it's oil it comes in cans and it says oil <laughs> they on sell it. it at the store they have a lot of it yeah See, there's a freight train and it fell over and there's lots of oil <laughs> in cans it's just laying and there you can come and get it you can come and get that oil and Plainview turns um, to his buddy and goes this would cut down a lot on our processing fees <laughs> we could just get the the just oil already other people's oil we could just get it already canned that would be quite a beat quite a bargain <sighs> but him and his son drive out there yeah to a little town called little boston yep right and they're making pretend that they are hunting quail. Right. And they walk on to Paul's property and they meet his dad and the two girls. And they're like, hey, we're camping. And they're like, great. <laughs> Would you like food? And they're like, sure. And then that's when we meet Eli and he's delivering um, firewood. Wood yeah. to him. And they're like, okay, that's great. Now fuck off. <laughs> Leave me alone. And he's like, okay, Leave me alone. <laughs> you strange man boy. You, you appear to have been 13 years old for the last three decades. <laughs> Someone told me that you're 38. That's fucking impossible. (laughs) That's that's ridiculous. Who's putting you up to this? <laughs> uh, how much money are they making off of you? Would you like to finish school? Why don't you go join the circus with the other freaks? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they go around. They shoot at a whole bunch of. They're not really. Shooting <laughs> they pretend quail. to. They pretend to be quail hunters. Yeah. And apparently there had been an earthquake, and the sun finds some oil. It's bubbling crude, and Texas tea. Um, and they're happy because they found it. Yeah. Right? And then they're that like, okay, goes, let's scam these rubes out of their land. That's right. Right, so they go to dinner, and it's you know, Pa Sunday, Eli Sunday, Ma Sunday, and the two Sunday bitches. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know their names. Is one of them Mary? Mary probably. is one of the sisters. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And uh, he's like, "Give me your land." <laughs> no, he wants. He, he he says he wants to lease it. Right? right, and he says because he just him and his son love hunting, and his son has respiratory problems, and you know, being outdoors and I mean, the dry air is air. good for him. Yeah. Yeah. So he's about, so the old man is about to sell and then Eli jumps in and he's like, what about giving us a lot more money because we have all this oil? Yeah. What about the oil? And that's, uh, that's kind of, and he wants, how much does he want? He He wants 5,000. Well, he, he asks for 5,000, but he also wants 
He does. Yeah, he wants five thousand, and it, it turns out that Eli also has a church, by the way, and he wants five thousand dollars. And uh, uh, there's this great exchange where Plainview says five thousand dollars. What for? And Eli says mm-hmm. for my church. And Plainview just kind of looks at him for a second and then smiles mm-hmm. and goes, "That's good." <laughs> <laughs> So they come to an agreement, yeah, right? Yeah. And out of out of spite through this entire movie, he never pays them. No. He never pays Eli. No. What he does do is he goes back into town and he buys every plot of land all the way around yeah. the um all the way around Eli's property. And then um and at that point he said, Oh, what about the whatchamacallits? The the bandies. The bandies. And he said, Oh, they want you to come up there. And he's like, Yeah, sure, I'm gonna do that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and he just forgets about him, right? Yeah. And now we go into you know the he's bringing in people to set up the set up the the first well that they're gonna they're gonna try to uh, pull oil out of, and um, Eli just shows up and says, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bless the well tomorrow." Yeah. And you should say this when you introduce everyone. Please play heed and cast your eyes downward as our Lord God Eli exactly. <laughs> graces us with His presence to bless the well so that he can make all the money. I mean, so that we can make the money. And Plainview didn't just pick a poker right out of the stove and put it right <laughs> through his eye, which I may have done because Jesus, what a what a, what a prick. Dude. Yeah. Well, no, he does something better, which is Plainview, he, he plays along. He says, well, that sounds great, Eli. Let's do that. That and, sounds wonderful. And then the next day, he completely ignores Eli and brings little Mary. Oh, he does want something better. Yeah, he, 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 yeah. he brings little Mary up and uh, he introduces Mary using some of the same language that Eli suggested he used to introduce him. He calls her a proud daughter of these hills, and that's what Eli wants. Mm-hmm. He called me a proud son of these hills. Um, and then he, and Plainview himself gives the blessing and then mm-hmm. and then goes up, or sen- sends HW up the, up the stairs to actually start the well going. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they all have a nice spread. And earlier, HW uh, told, told Plainview that the old man... Uh, Sunday beats his daughters if they don't pray. Yeah. And she's running around playing and he grabs her and she looks as uncomfortable as hell. And one of the things he says is, no more beatings from here on out. Yeah. I promise you no more beatings. Isn't that right, man (laughs) under my thumb? Yeah, the old man is sitting like right there, just not saying Mm -hmm. a word, just like, I guess I can't Mm -hmm. beat my own kid anymore. (laughs) And so uh, they start that up and then then, then a murderer comes to town and he's i don't he's it's robert mitchum and now i've gotten the movies mixed up but i for whatever reason i want robert mitchum to suddenly show up in town as a preacher man and kill (laughs) (laughs) and he shows up to the sunday home and justice (laughs) takes its course (laughs) um Because Plainview is a character along those lines. He is very similar, yeah. 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 Um, so they finally, they, they're cutting to them trying to drill for oil, blah, 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 yakety schmackety. And uh, then one day, HW is up, on the, is up on the platform just watching it, and they bust through. It explodes. It sends HW flying. To his credit, Plainview first goes for his son. Oh, yes, yes. And grabs his, grabs his son, gets him safely over 
over to the cafeteria and then goes back to manage the well, which is now caught on fire. Yeah. And he, you know, knocks down the supports for the, the Derek and um, he's sitting there staring at it. His partner looks upset and he says, why are you upset? Uh, we've just proven there's a whole ocean, there's an ocean of oil under our feet. Of oil yeah. under our feet. Then they roll in some dynamite and blow it blow it up so that it stops burning all of their stuff. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, what's happened to H.W.? Uh, he has lost his hearing. He's lost his yeah. hearing. There's a, there's a nice moment there between, the I forget his name, but the guy Kieran Hines plays, who's sort of Plainview's right-hand man at this point, when they're still when the, the well is still burning, and, uh, yeah. and he turns to Plainview and says, uh, is H.W. okay? And Plainview just says, uh-huh. no, he isn't. And that, and yeah. but does, but just stands there staring. And then the the other guy actually runs because the kid is saying the kid. Yeah. the kid tells him, "I can't hear my I voice. can't hear my voice." Yeah, yeah. Um, so after that's done, I'm trying to remember how this how this works. He gets a visit from a family member from Henry, Henry, his, his brother from another his mother. long lost brother who just so happened to show up right after he proved the well. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I saw it in the newspaper and I was in New Mexico and I came here and you're, we share the same dad, but have different moms. And oh, by the way, here's the letter that I got and here's some other stuff. And Daniel's like, mm, okay. Yeah. I guess you're my brother. Right. Cool. Welcome to the show. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. but HW has a problem with that. HW has his suspicions from the beginning, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he does. Yeah. We see him going through Henry's stuff and mm-hmm. looking at a book, like looks like a diary that he finds in Henry's bag. And then mm-hmm. it's not too long after that that HW sets the shack on fire. Yep. So. Yep. So HW's going away. Yeah. Plainview sends him to. I, I don't find they sent. He mentioned something about San Francisco. I don't know if that's where he, he they asked send him, his but... partner to find to find a school either in Los Angeles or or, or San Francisco. Yeah. And uh, they do. And he puts him on a train. He says, "I'll be right back." And he leaves. And then <laughs> Daddy the went out for some cigarettes off. and never came back. Mm-hmm. And the kid's upset, but you know he's got to go. Yeah. Now we're gonna review the movie a little bit. There are a lot of people who think that what Daniel says at the end of this movie is true, that he only had his son around um, so that he could have a sweet, smiling face whenever he went around trying to get leases. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you this right now, that that is not true. I agree. That is not true at all. He obviously cares deeply for H.W. Yes. But he's also driven by business. Exactly. And so he cannot have the distraction of H.W. while he's trying to do the things that he needs to do in town. And there are a lot of people who have just written him off and said, oh, no, he never cared about H.W. at all. And that is not the case. It's more complicated than that. Um, so now that H.W. is gone, he just has his brother. Yeah. Right. And they're doing things like they're trying to figure out a way so that he can get to the what's the name of the family that didn't the band now needs the, the bandies, the yeah. bandies. He needs the lease land from the bandies, not to drill, but to run his pipeline. Right. Yeah. Because you, he has a nice little meeting with Standard Oil that goes something like this. You can sell us and you can sell us all your stuff and you can make millions millions of dollars and then that way you can spend more time with your son and Plainview goes don't tell me how to raise my son or I'll slit your throat <laughs> and then he leaves he says I'll co- one night I'm going to come into your house, your house. <laughs> and I'm going to slit your throat and the guy is just mm-hmm. like what <laughs> what did I say sir I didn't say anything I said it would be nice and the other guys are like shut up just, shut just up. don't <laughs> just play dead he'll tire himself out 
Mm-hmm. But him and Henry um, do some surveying to see where they can move so that they can pipe all of that oil to Union Pacific, mm-hmm. and then they don't have to count. They don't have to pay for transportation costs or anything. It's more money in the pockets for Plainview right. and for his for his team. And uh, they go to the beach. And then Henry's stupid. Henry slips up. Yeah, he doesn't pick up on and, a reference that Plainview makes to their hometown. Uh, mm-hmm. And Plainview starts to suspect him. Like, maybe this isn't my brother after all. Mm-hmm. And then that night, I think, at, um, after his brother had gotten a little drunk and was asking for money for prostitutes mm-hmm. and stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. He uh, confronts his brother. <laughs> yes, he does. In which he says, you're going to tell me the truth and we are not really truth. And his brother says, no, I knew the guy who claimed to be your brother and he had the letter and he had the diary and then he, he died of uh, tuberculosis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and your dad's... Because he told him, but everything else is the truth and I'm just trying to be your friend. I'll just go. And Daniel goes, yeah, you'll leave with this bullet in your head. <laughs> and he holds him down and he shoots him point blank. Yeah. And, and just like in real life, takes him a minute or two to die yeah yeah he he kind of gasps and shakes around a little bit mm-hmm. yep and then he uses a pickaxe to dig a hole and then he dumps his body in the hole and covers it up and then he just goes to sleep from the next morning who's there Steve? it's old man bandy well it's about time no oh boy he's a bunch of fun in oh me. boy he he doesn't look like a crazy man not at all but he has a, he has a proposition for daniel he says look i know you've been wanting to lease my land so here's what we'll do uh, All right. You you need to come to church and get baptized. Oh, that's not going to fucking happen. Oh, well, okay. Well, How about I give you $3,000? No, you're going to come to church and get baptized and... Uh, and $9,000. No, you're going to come to church and get baptized. And, and if you don't... A quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> you're going to come to church and get baptized and... How, how about <laughs> this? A quarter of a million dollars, I fuck you now and give you a reach around. <laughs> Make it the reach around and three hundred thousand, and we can. Uh, <laughs> no, no. That's he tells not what him. Happened. He yeah. You, but yeah, Plainview does offer him larger and larger amounts of money. And old man Bandy says, "Look, come to the church, get baptized. You can lease my land, and also, I won't tell anybody about your sins." And dun, dun, dun. Plainview's like, uh, you know, oh, you mean the sin of drilling? And 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 then Bandy hands Plainview his own gun, and he's like, no, I'm talking mm-hmm. about this motherfucker. <laughs> I'm talking, That's right. I'm talking about the dude you murdered last night. Ran out down. Yeah. yeah. So Plainview's like, Henry, you got a deal. <laughs> and then we get this scene. Don't oh, waste it. Oh my God, what a scene. <sighs> so he shows up for his baptism in the new church that has just been built for them. Yep. Right? With Pastor Eli. And yeah, good old Glody Eli. Actually, we, I is, think there, there's um, there's two things we should mention really quick that we skipped over that are important yes. to see, which is, first of all, he we uh, earlier, Plainview went and visited the church after one of his men died, and he wanted to see if Eli, oh, yeah. Eli wanted to give uh, remarks at the, the funeral. And so we, we see uh-huh. a little bit of Eli's preaching, where he's doing like a... 
and what is he? He's like a Pentecostal healer type guy. Like he, he, he's, he, he's a fucking fraud. He's, oh, he's a total he fraud. Yeah. But he does like a thing where he, 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 you know, picks an old woman out of the congregation and claims to heal her arthritis, which he pronounces arthritis in a choice I've always loved. Also, he's made up his religion. Oh yeah. It's, he calls it the church of the third revelation and mm-hmm. yeah. And he claims that he's being spoken to by a new spirit. And yeah, it's, 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 you know, Christianity-esque, but it's it's also clearly a lot of stuff that Eli has just made up on his own. Um, mm-hmm. And so he does his big song and dance where he casts out a demon. And and then a little while later, after H.W. has been injured and sent away, Eli shows up. Oh, yeah. Eli shows up when they're planning the pipeline uh, and just walks right up bold as brass to Daniel and says, where's my $5,000? And Plainview beats the shit out of him and says, mm-hmm. I thought you were a healer. Why didn't you heal my son? You mm-hmm. know? Uh, so that has mm-hmm. already happened, and then we get this baptism scene. Yeah, and Eli's gloating oh, over him. Oh boy! And getting worked up and slapping him in the face. And to his credit, he's going along with it because he needs that pipeline. Yeah. And and Eli and also Eli forcing him to admit that he abandoned his child. Yeah, and this is the moment where I'm like, really, people? You really think he didn't give a shit about his kid? Because this is the hardest thing for him to admit. You can definitely see he's being tormented. Yes, by absolutely. Him. And he admits it, and he goes goes along with it and god i wish i knew what daniel but i wish i knew what plainview says to eli at the end of that scene when you see him shaking his hand yeah. and saying something into his ear. yes oh my god well and also there's, there's another tender moment too because people who think that like plainview doesn't have feelings uh after the baptism is over and he's back in the church like sitting down in the pews again little mary comes up behind him and gives him a hug from behind and and he and he responds very tenderly and just kind of pats her hand and yeah. goes you know my mary or something like that so i mean he clearly has as a, yeah, and a, this a, is a, a man a, who admitted. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, he, he clearly he has a paternal relationship with her too. Yeah, but he admitted to Henry that he has a competitive streak and he doesn't want to see anyone succeed and he really doesn't like people. Yeah. He says he hates most people. He doesn't. Yeah, he hates most people, which is probably the reason why he killed Henry because he figured he finally had someone that he could speak openly with. Yeah, and now that Henry knows all of his secrets and he's not a blood relative, it's okay to kill him. Pretty much. Yeah. And so that's that's what happens. Um, he sends for his son his son comes back um he seems genuinely happy to see him mm-hmm. that he's returned and um they go to the hotel he orders himself a nice big steak for him and his son and who's sitting there it's the guys from standard oil who told him That's how right. to run his family mm-hmm. and he rubs that in their face oh, for, oh, who God. looks the fool now <laughs> and he's and he's he's drunk during this so like, oh yeah because he, he, he just drank an entire <laughs> goddamn goblet full of of of, of whiskey with his he walks drunkenly up to the table and he's like, you look like a fool, don't you? And the dude's just like, yep, that's me. <laughs> Looking like a fool. Because he's gloating that he's happy, that he's got his son back, that he's a good father. Yeah. And he just made so much right. more money. He made the deal for the pipeline that the standard guys sort of scoffed that he would never be able mm-hmm. to do. And he's like, I, I told you what I was going to do. Right. Cut to Eli's leaving. That's right. He's go- He says he's going off on a mission. Yeah. Bye, Eli. To Oildale. Taft and a bunch of other towns that I know of in San- in California. <laughs> Eli's not actually going on a mission, is he? Uh, no, he's not. He's going to go misspend his money. Exactly. That's that's as, as we learn in the last scene. Yeah. 
Yep. He's going to go misspend his money, probably on prostitutes. Who knows what else? And, uh, but he gets to leave. And then we see uh, HR and Mary yep. hanging out as kids. And then all of a sudden, they're not kids. They're grownups and they're getting married. And it's the 20s. <laughs> and it's so fucking sweet. Yeah. Because she's, she's signing what the preacher man is saying when they're getting married. And now we cut to, it's 1927. Yep. Cut to the mansion that uh, that Plainview owns. It's completely empty except for servants. And he is shooting things. Yeah. It's a nice little detail that first they show us the bowling alley that looks like it has never been touched. And then mm-hmm. we see this rich guy with a bowling alley in his house amusing himself by shooting at things in the house. So... <laughs> H.W. comes in, yeah, and uh, they have a nice, pleasant conversation. They hug each other and tell each other they love them. And then the end. Oh, that's that's, yeah. that's not how it goes. What happened? Tell him what I said. Uh, H.W. <laughs> makes, he, it's clear that H.W. expects that his dad is not going to react well to this news, but he, nope. he tells him anyway. He says, I've decided that I want to go to Mexico and yep. start my own oil business. That's right. And uh, Plainview immediately is like, so you've decided to become my competitor. Yeah, and he doesn't say it like that. He says it with resignation. Yeah. Because we should know, we know Plainview by this point. Yeah. And this is something, I mean, his son could have come up and told him, Dad, I'm going to sell half a yak body to my lower half and I'm going to become a prancing satyr man. And he would have been fine. Yeah. Of all the things that he could have told him, I'm going to be competing with you. Yeah. That's the last, that's that's it. That's a betrayal that he can't take. And he gets mean. Oh, yeah. And, and spiteful. And he tells him, uh, he tells him that he's an orphan and that he only had him around so that he'd have a, a pretty face for, you know, a cute little kid face to show off that he's a family man when he's trying to, you know, buy leases. Yeah. And he's, and he, you know, basically says there's not one drop of me in here. Yeah. And he, and he also, he, um, he accuses HW of things that we heard him confess about himself to Henry earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, he's describing to Henry in that scene about, you know, not just that he he hates most people, but he talks about how he builds up his hatreds bit by bit. And that's mm-hmm. what he accuses HW of doing. He says, you've been building up your hatred for me bit by bit all these years. So he's he's definitely projecting. It's not just that he's being vicious and mean and hateful Which to his son. Which is not true. His son said, I love you. Yeah, his son is very he sweet to him. He didn't. Yeah. His son didn't come there to ask him for money no. or anything. Just to let him know that he's going to, he, he's found it. He loves the oil business. And he, you know, he wants to pursue it on his own and he wants to be out in the fields again. And <coughs> he can't take it. And his son, his son clearly loves him, like sincerely loves mm-hmm. him. Even after we, we've seen enough of Plainview to know that he can be a huge bastard and a horrible person. But even after, you know, growing up to adulthood with that, H.W. still clearly loves his father. And he's never been abusive to H.W. No, we've never seen him be abused. He's, he, I mean, he's mistreated him. He's been him. forceful yeah. about a few things. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been forceful. You know, when he there's a, a period of time where he makes him drink milk with with whiskey in it right. to try to maybe calm him down, and he has the the lack of patience that's required when you have a child that is deaf yeah. or suffering from any other type of of, uh, of uh, physical or or cerebral uh, 
uh, damage suddenly, you you expect your child to be normal yeah. right away. And that that's not the case in this case. So, I mean, he he's not really cut out for that type of thing. But I would not say that he is abusive. No. And you can obviously see that things do upset him. Um, when he's saying goodbye to his son, it's very quick mm-hmm. when he's in the train. Oh, you can yeah. see that there a, a, tr- a tear comes off of off of him while he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and even in this scene, when he's screaming at him as as H.W. walks out and he's screaming after him, you know, you're you are a bastard mm-hmm. from a basket. Like when they when when we cut to that shot of him saying it yeah. for the last time, he's obviously extremely hurt. You know, yes. he's not just being mean but, and hateful. It's obvious that it, it you know, as unreasonable. But and, literally, yeah, his insults are falling on deaf yeah. ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that happened. And just to make things even better, he gets drunk eating steak in the in the bowling alley and falls asleep in the lanes. <laughs> yes, he does. And and who comes along? His old friend Eli, who tries to approach him like an old like, oh, we're just bosom chums, isn't that? Yeah. How long has it been since we've seen each other? Blah 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 blah. It's so good oh, to see you way. looking so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what does Eli want? Eli wants money. Uh, Why? He says, I thought Eli was doing great. He he makes Daniel an offer. He has come with with a, a proposal. He says, you know, you never mm-hmm. you never did get to drill on the old uh, Bandy property, and old man Bandy has just died, and his grandson owns the land now, and he's willing to work with you, and of course with the church. Uh, to put together a deal to sell you drilling rights to that land. What do you say? And Daniel's like, well, it sounds it sounds wonderful. How much? Uh, yeah, he, he strings them. How along. much money? How, how what would you ask for me to pay? And you know, and Eli's like, well, first I want the five thousand dollars you owe me from twenty years ago that you never paid me. Oh, that's only fair. That's mm-hmm. only fair. And you know, and then he's like, and then I want this, 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 and he's you know, Eli's like putting it together. I want three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, he, is that what he says? Yeah, three hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 Daniel's like, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> you know, like, can you begin the drilling within ten days? Absolutely, no problem at all. Great. <laughs> And then Daniel says, I do have one condition. Mm-hmm. And Eli's like, well, what, 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 anything. And Daniel says, I would like you to say that you are a false prophet and that God is a superstition. And he doesn't hesitate too much, does no. he? Well, at first he's, oh, I, I love his. He, he first is like, God is a friend. Well, I love him. Before he says it, he, he resists a little bit. And the way he plays it is like, his first mm-hmm. reaction is he goes, but that's a lie. <laughs> like he said, he says it like he knows that Daniel knows that he is full of shit, you know, and he says it like a little boy who's been caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Like it wasn't me. Like he says it just like that. And it is amazing. Um, but yeah, eventually he, he, he doesn't resist for too long. And then we get a beautiful reversal of the baptism scene. Do it like a sermon. <laughs> they can't hear you in the back. Yeah. <laughs> And he finally just shouts it and screams it. And what does Daniel tell him? He says, those areas have been drilled. And and he's like, what? He's like, no. He <laughs> says, look. And, and, and then Daniel explains to him how this works. He says, well, you know, I bought all the land <laughs> around the Bandy tract. So I was drilling and pumping oil out from all four sides of it, which means any oil that was under that land, I've already got it. So you have nothing to sell me. Mm-hmm. And then and he still doesn't understand, like, so he has to explain yeah, it to yeah. him like a child. Can you use some kind of food-based analogy? Sure. You have a bowl of soup. Okay. <laughs> and I have a bowl of soup. 
and I have constructed some sort of flying spoon apparatus that can fly <laughs> anywhere it goes, and it flies down, and it gets your soup by the every spoonful and brings it back to me for me to eat it. I have slurped your soup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how it goes. You can use almost any metaphor. You know, mm-hmm. um, this is true. While I was watching this movie last night, I was actually drinking a milkshake. No, you I was. Weren't. I swear to God I was. Oh, good for you. You're looking forward to it. That's... You're like, okay, milkshake. You and me. Time for me. Three to... hours from now. Time for me to drink you, milkshake. <laughs> this upsets Eli a bit, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. And Daniel's like, <laughs> fuck you. I've been waiting 20 years for this. <laughs> and I've just had a really bad day. <laughs> he throws him out onto the... Onto the lanes, starts making fun of him, making fun of his sermons, yeah. um, shouting at him that he is the third revelation, yeah. and starts and and geez, Eli is like, we're friends, <laughs> we, 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 we're family. He started throwing. He starts throwing the bowling pins at him, and then eventually Eli takes the wrong turn, and he gets clocked in the back of the head with one of the bowling pins. Whoops! Goes down, out cold. And what does Daniel Plainview do? <laughs> he says, "Well, I hit him once. I might as well hit yeah. him two more times." And he caves in his skull with a bowling pin. That's right. And then sits down. Servant comes downstairs and goes, "Oh, oh boy!" <laughs> he comes downstairs. And says, sir, right? Yep. No, Mr. Mr. What does he Mr. call Mr. him? Mr. Daniel? Mr. Daniel. And what does he say, Steve? I'm finished. And then the movie's over. Cue the music. End of movie. Yay. So, Steve, yes. you don't have to. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. You've had a goofy smile on your face this entire review. Say, <laughs> <Hey>, Steve. <laughs> yeah? How do you feel about the movie that people will still be talking about 100 years from now? That's the truth, too. The wonderfully fantastic. I know we just described what happens in the movie. It's still wonderfully fantastic. It is. There will be blood. You know, um, Paul. Paul Thomas Anderson made great movies before this one. Um, mm-hmm. Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love. I, lo- I love all of those movies. Especially Magnolia has been one of my favorites since the first time I saw it. But this movie mm-hmm. this movie is him graduating from being an indie darling to being a great filmmaker. Uh, sure. There's a scope and a confidence and a seriousness here that isn't quite there to this degree in his earlier work. Um, as, mm-hmm. as brilliant as that earlier work is. It's evident from from the very first frame of this movie when we get that shot of the wilderness and then Johnny Greenwood's score just reaches out and grabs us and says watch this like you can just <laughs> tell you see that shot of the of the, the the scrub desert and then those strings come in and you're just like oh I got to watch this this is something I'm going to want to mm-hmm. see um it's not so much a departure from Anderson's earlier work as it is an evolution of it his uh, his scripts have always been very character driven and he's always been an actor's director and with this movie he grounds it in a fascinating character played by a brilliant actor who is giving maybe the best performance of his career so it's it's the perfect union of filmmaker actor and character that allows everybody to show off and play to their strengths um daniel day lewis obviously won the best actor oscar for this role that year and i have said ever since i saw this movie for the first time if best 
actor were a defended title instead of an annual award, he would still have it to this day. I don't know mm. if I have seen an actor give a better performance in a film since this. Um, it is an extraordinary performance. Plainview is such a compelling, multifaceted character. Um, he seems remote and unknowable and mythic, and yet he continually draws us in. He's tireless and relentless and single-minded, and there's this hollowness at the center of him. But at the same time, as you've pointed out several times during the summary, he is clearly a person with human emotions like he loves his son mm -hmm. he, he 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 embraces henry when he thinks henry is his brother um, you know, he is not, he, he's often been described as a monster and a villain. And I think those are just way too reductive to suit him. Uh, he's it's super safe. Yeah. You're uncomfortable with what he is yeah. and you, you fall back on psychopath or monster right. or something. Along and, and, lines. and, and the movie shows us that he's not, he's not either of those. He's certainly not a psychopath. I mean, he, he, no. he, he does incredibly cold, callous things, but he, he, he is also affected by them, you know, and we see them that he is. Is, he is capable of, of caring about people very much. Um, he's the embodiment of both the promise and the dark side of industrialization and, and big business. We see him doing good things for individuals and for the community surrounding his oil well there in Little Boston. Or at least promising. Well, well I, mean, I think we can, we can assume that, he, that at least some of the things he promises happen. I mean, the, the, the little bits we see of the town after the well comes in and the money starts flowing, it does look more prosperous than it was when he showed up and you know, it was, uh, you know, the Sunday family just in their little shack on their ranch. Um, and, you know, and he, he stops old man Sunday from beating Mary and, uh, you know, seems to, and again, seems to, to genuinely care about her and, mm -hmm. and do good and does good things for the community. But we also see that most of his public facing persona is artifice. Um, he, mm -hmm. he's willing to share his wealth to an extent and to use his influence to help people but he does that to get what he wants. Sure. Um, he genuinely loves his son. We see them having private tender moments where it's just the two of them. So you couldn't even say like, well, he's only pretending to be a good dad. There's lots of scenes in the movie where it's just the two of them. And he is, he's, is behaving lovingly towards his son. Mm -hmm. um, but as you said, like he is not prepared to have a son with a disability. And when it becomes clear that HW's deafness is going to be a thing that he will have to deal with, he sends him away. And, and part of that is for his own good, but also part of that is because Plainview does not want and does not know how to deal with that. Yep. And so he's like, get him out of here, you know, send him somewhere where they know how to deal with him. I'm not, mm -hmm. this, this is too much for me. And, but at the same time, he's always asking. Yeah. And you see him asking his assistant, is it a good place? What's his does room like? Yeah. Room? What's his room like? You know, yeah. it's not like he's forgotten about And, it. and Paul Thomas Anderson doesn't choose to show us those scenes for no reason. I mean, we're meant to take something from that which is that he does genuinely care about his son um that there is one yeah. good thing about him yeah yeah that, that he is and that he is that, yeah go ahead and when that good thing is gone he is unre he it opens up a door for him that should not be kicked open yeah yeah and that is where he becomes focused on his success and his willingness to do anything and that he feels things even more you know he he knew when as soon 
as he found out that Henry was not his relative, the sense of betrayal and the uh, the sense of exposure yeah, yeah. that he now has, because he's shared things with him that he hasn't shared with anybody else, that that betrayal is immediate death. He cannot, he, he could not live knowing that there was someone who had something on him that potentially could betray him. And now the one thing that would stay his hand, which is that he was family, is gone. He's, he's He deals with him immediately. Yeah, and it is, yeah, he does, doesn't hesitate. And and unlike his falling out with H.W., doesn't seem to regret killing Henry at all. Like, there's not, no, you don't really see no, a moment where he's like, oh my God, what have I done? Like, he does, he kills Henry and that's it. Like, mm. he doesn't look back at that at all. Um, no. So yeah, I mean, and we, we see, one of the things I think that makes him such a fascinating character, and sp- speaking of Henry, there's that scene with Henry when he still thinks that they're brothers, where we get this little glimpse at the inner plane view and mm-hmm. we see indications of an inner life yeah. but we never really learn much about it um we see that plain view has self-awareness but apparently not a lot of self-reflection like he no. he confesses to henry he says i have a competition in me i want no one else to succeed but he just treats this as a fact about himself like he accepts it but he doesn't really try to understand it or to change it you know he just says well it's mm-hmm. just the way i am and henry if you're my brother and you know if i've got it you've got it and he just he's aware of it but he's just like well that's just that's just the way i am you know mm-hmm. um and that's one of the reasons why the betrayal for, his, for henry is so bad because he assumes that if he has it his brother has yeah. it and understands him yes that's a good yeah the, mm-hmm. yeah yeah um so yeah i mean there's all of that and then there's an but another reason why i would not call plain view a villain is that he's not the villain of this story um eli is the villain of this story if there is one character who can be called the villain both in terms of his role in in the story and in terms of the nature of his character because mm-hmm. as bad as Plainview is and we see again and again that he's really bad <laughs> or at least he's capable of being really bad Eli is worse Eli mm-hmm. has all of Plainview's negative qualities, the duplicity, the hypocrisy, the ego, the self-promotion, the capacity for violence. But unlike Plainview, Eli doesn't seem to offer anything of value. And we nope. and we never see honesty from Eli with anybody. Uh, Eli is a vampire. You know, Eli mm-hmm. only wants to improve, to to take from other people and to improve his own status. That's the only thing he wants. And, and Plainview wants that too. But we also see that Plainview is willing to, as he says at one point, to blow gold all over the place <laughs> in order to get it. Mm-hmm. And we see that he, that Plainview does seem to sincerely care about at least a few other people and we never see that from Eli at all. No. Um, and and uh, and obviously as though it wasn't clear to us from the beginning, uh, in that last scene Plainview forces him to admit that he is a false prophet. So mm-hmm. he, he has been knowingly using people's religious faith to fleece them to his own benefit. Um, yep. So I mean, that final scene is it's one of the best final scenes I've ever seen in a movie. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. scenes, period, that I've ever seen in a film. It's a short film unto itself, almost. Um, it's dramatic. It's theatrical. It gives both Daniel Day-Lewis and Paul Dano a chance to just absolutely go for it. It's so, so, so funny. Um, mm-hmm. In a way that surprised me the first time I watched it. Because it's obvious that some really heavy shit is going down between these two characters. It's 
it's obvious that this oh, yeah. this is the showdown between these two guys that the entire movie has been building to. And there's a lot of really heavy, really emotional stuff. But it's also so goddamn funny. The bit where Plainview snaps and throws Eli around and he's chasing him and making fun of him. And there's that bit that's like a fucking Warner Brothers cartoon where mm-hmm. Eli is behind the the back of the bowling alley and he's bouncing up and down like a whack-a-mole. He'll, he, he goes down out of sight on one side and Daniel throws a bowling pin at him and Eli pops up on the other side and, and Eli throws a bowling pin at him that and then he ducks down again and comes back up. It's like it's like a cartoon. Um, and then in a split second, it turns and it's not a cartoon anymore. And, nope. and he catches up to him and he cracks him with that bowling pin and then he takes a second, thinks about it and then murders him. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh shit, it was just goofy like two seconds ago. And yep. now he's dead. Like Plainview killed him. Um, so it's it's an amazing scene. It's an extraordinary scene. And you know, again, like as as bad as we see Plainview being, and especially as bad as we see him at the end when he has been completely unmoored from whatever kept him close to his humanity after his son has left him. Uh, there is something. Nothing. There, there. He he immediately goes gets drunk. Yeah. After because there's this great when his son leaves, we get a quick cut of Plainview with his younger. Kid. Yeah, and they're kind of horsing Just around. around. Yeah. We then cut back to him. Him distraught and drunk, yeah. trying to go down the stairs, yeah. and then the next time we see him, he's passed out, drunk, having eaten half of it, half of his dinner. Yeah, and right. So I think this is the same goddamn day, probably. Yeah, the minute the only thing that he gives a shit about is gone because of him, because of his hangups. Yeah. The minute the only thing that he can point to and say I'm a good person is gone, he kills Eli. Yeah, yeah. The same within. I I think that was a foregone conclusion the minute Eli showed up yeah. pretending to be his friend. And and the thing is, as as tragic as it is, and it, I think it, it is definitely Plainview, you know, fall, befall, having the fate of a tragic character befall him, um, mm-hmm. and as grim and as dark and as horrible as it is, there is something undeniably satisfying about watching him take Eli apart in that last mm-hmm. scene. When he's making fun of him, when he's saying, you know, uh, Paul was the smart one, Paul was the prophet, not you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Eli is crying and saying, don't talk about Paul. And Plainview just, just, you know, slaps him in the face and says, you know, you, Eli was the smart one. And, you know, what, what, when, when Eli was suckling at your mother's teeth, who was nursing you? One of the sows from Bandy's place and just really mm-hmm. grinding the boot in and then making him, you know, telling him about why he doesn't have the oil anymore. And he says it was drainage, Eli, you boy. Um, and <laughs> I mean, he, and, and there's something incredibly satisfying about that. Because you're like, yeah, as it's like uh, I w- when we were joking earlier before we started recording, it's uh, the bad guy gets the better of the worst guy. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, as bad as Plainview is, Eli is worse. And there is something satisfying about seeing him finally get his comeuppance because you're like, yeah, Plainview is a bastard, but fuck Eli. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a showcase for Paul Thomas Anderson's confidence as a filmmaker. It's a showcase for Daniel Day-Lewis and Paul Dano, especially as actors. And of course, and particularly Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, and I mean, in that last scene, he shows us everything that we've seen about Plainview for the entire film. And it's like a stunning final statement. We see the intellect and the humor and the sadism and the ruthlessness and that incredible lurching, like hunched ape-like body 
body language because <laughs> mm-hmm. he his his body is very injured at that point. He's he he you know he has kind of a, a a hunched sort of gait for most of the movie after he falls in the pit at the beginning. But by mm-hmm. this point, you know, he's an alcoholic and he's physically diminished even beyond what he was before. And when he's chasing after Eli, he's like he I mean he's like an orangutan chasing after. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Um. So yeah, I mean it's Daniel Day Lewis's best performance. It's Paul Dano's best performance. It's Paul Thomas Anderson's best movie. It's, I think, still the best film made this century so far. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, I've seen it, I don't even know how many times, and I've only grown to love it and admire it more every single time. I watch it. So that's all I have to say about it. It's your turn. Yay. Um, now that Steve's done, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what a piece of shit. I hated it. This this movie, I don't know where it came from. I don't, I know what inspired it. I know what why it was written. I know why it was made. Um, this movie, I made a joke earlier. I said this is a primer for capitalism. Yeah, and this is how many different levels. And Steve kind of went to the personal level of the plain view. Um, but the overall um, theme is that this is capitalism laid bare. This is this is what this is like. This is how people. If you think Daniel Plainview is being is being uh, particularly awful in his pursuit of oil. You're forgetting about the scene where he greeted other people, other oil speculators that showed up at train station, mm-hmm. in which they know each other, they're old friends. He says, oh, I've got this one and I've got all the surrounding areas. I suggest you take the east. Right? Yeah. They, they laugh, they shake hands. They're they're convivial as they talk about sucking the town dry yeah. after getting the lowest possible price they can for leasing the land. <clears throat> there are things that they don't speak about in regards to it. In other words, oh yeah, they can, they can continue to lease the land until there's no more oil on it and when it's time for them to leave the land is worthless because the extraction of the oil has poisoned the topsoil there's no water for the land you can't sink another well and because now that's been polluted by the extraction of the oil um and so to say that Daniel Plainview is acting in a way that's different from any of the other oil men, he's not. He's doing exactly what the oil men did. And if you think that oil companies don't do this now, you're wrong. They do continue to lease land. We just went through the whole fracking problem. Yeah. <coughs> where they found a new, more destructive way to try to shake as much energy out of the earth as possible, in which they asked people to sign a lease so they could lease their land, and they told them everything would be fine, and then fire came out of their spigots. Has that been been disproven yet i don't know but to make pretend that oh well this is just the beginning of the century and the beginning of the oil industry it's not this is capitalism kind of laid bare and to compare and contrast it they also put it up against religion both daniel plainview and um and uh eli are hucksters Mm -hmm. both of them have a pitch and you hear both of them you hear both their pitches you hear you hear daniel's more than once because he attempts to uh to lease land on more than one occasion. You get to hear Eli's when he's in the church. What it is that he's promising them. He's promising them prosperity, health, that he's going to, you know, shoo away the demons that can give you arthritis, that he can heal you. You can hear him when he gives his sermon that he is making the same kind of (coughs) introduction and promises that Daniel Plainview did. But in the end, which one wins? Capitalism, (laughs) of course. Stupid. What? (laughs) Mummy. (laughs) 
money is going to win. And it's not because I don't believe that Eli didn't believe in his church. I don't believe he did. I think he was tussling from the very beginning. But the difference is, is that in the end, everyone has a price, including Eli. Definitely. And in, in the end, when he gets him to say, you know, that you're a false prophet and that the belief in God is a superstition, Eli says it. He says it so that he can get his man, his hands on some more filthy lucre. And that is the driving thing throughout this entire thing. That is the downfall, quote unquote, because I have an opinion on that, of, of Plainview. Plainview wants, he says it, I want to make enough money so that people will leave me alone. Mm-hmm. He wants to be alone. In the end, he almost gets that when he sends his son away. He finally gets that one thing, that one relationship that makes him feel good. And his, and his son basically tees it up and says, I'm a competitor now, and he can't tolerate that because in his bones, he is competing with everybody. Yeah. And if he has to compete with his son, he either A, has to defeat him, has to, or, more scary for him, his son has to defeat him. And that's something that he's not mentally or emotionally prepared for. So he, he shoves him away. That last scene in the movie where he is finally confronting Eli, that is him unmasked. He doesn't behave that way at any other point in the movie. He is always trying to maintain his mask, even when he is being tormented by Eli during the uh, baptism scene. Mm-hmm. He maintains his composure because after all it's said and done, he, what is the word that he says? Pipeline. Yeah. That's all he's interested in. Doesn't give a shit about any of the other stuff. He allows it. He's doing what he absolutely has to in order to win. <clears throat> and it works. He becomes rich. But as soon as his son's gone, as soon as the one part of him that's decent is gone, when he no longer has that, he no longer is the true Daniel Plain, Plainview comes out. We saw it briefly once, coincidentally, when his son was gone. When his son was gone, what happens? He kills a man. Mm-hmm. He kills a man and covers it up and goes through the baptism and does all of this heinous bullshit. He's pushed to the very edge and then he sends for his son back. And when his son comes back, he holds him and he says, this is good. Yeah. This is good. Because you see him with that kid when no one else is looking at him. And it's not like he's been using the kid. There's He is getting something out from that kid and that is the idea that he has someone who will love him no matter what yeah. so long as he doesn't have to compete with him and so long as he doesn't have to view him in a different way than he are, you know, always has he makes a brief mention at the end that, that he had been away for a little while but he also knows that his son has been trying to draw plans to create his own business prior to him visiting and you can kind of see that that's been eating at him mm-hmm. so what's great about the movie? the movie is a metaphor the movie is a metaphor in regards to capitalism in the United States as it is as it squares up against religion it is a character a deep character study of one man in particular Daniel Plainview who I think I know very well I know everything that I would need to know about him because that's I think all he has to offer I don't think there is much more deeper down he's driven by specific things that he feels he needs in order to be happy guess what he gets those things and he's never happy a lot of people have said the last line in this movie, I'm finished, is has multiple meanings, and I believe that that is true, but I also think that if he's saying that he's done, that is a lie. He is not finished. Everyone says, oh, it means he's finished, that he's going to go to jail. He's a fucking rich oil magnet yeah. in the early <laughs> part of this country. He's not seeing day one. I doubt anyone ever finds out that stupid little Eli Sunday <laughs> was killed on his property. Yep. 
He has guys who can pay to shut up and bury him out in the backyard, and that's the end of it. He's a, he's an oil fucking tycoon <laughs> right before World War II is about to start. More than likely, he made a ton of money when World War I was just ending mm-hmm. because we needed oil, and he had it. And now we're going to go into World War II, and we're going to need oil, and he's going to have that too. This is just, if you think that he's actually finished, he's not. What he means is as far as I'm concerned, is that he's telling his butler he's done with dinner. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You can come take you can come take this away. You can come take this away. And oh, by the way, get Barney. I need him to come get <laughs> for a moment to make sure that he brings two sacks. And then when we're done, you can bring now to have the maids come in and tell them they need to clean it. I'll let them know that it's nothing but raspberries. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And that's the end of the movie. People who want him to face justice think he does. He doesn't. Girl the fuck up. He doesn't. He's a millionaire. Millionaires don't pay. Well, seldom pay. I don't think he's going to pay for this. Do you think he pays for this, Steve? No, and I, I think it's contrary to the the themes of the movie. I think it would. I, oh I, yeah. I feel. I mean, every any people can interpret it any way they they want, but I think the way I see mm-hmm. the movie and what I think the movie is telling me, the idea the idea that Plainview would go to prison at some point after that cut to black is mm-hmm. is against everything we've been told in the movie up to that point. Oh yeah. yeah. Do I think that Daniel Plainview is evil? Nope. I think he's broken. I think he's a broken person. And he has found he has found purpose and meaning in making as much money as possible no matter what that is and that drive will not keep him from doing it. Even when he knew his son was injured, he still had to tend to the oil and he was still happy that they had finally, you know, that the that the well had paid off, right? Because that meant more money was going to be coming. He's driven. He's focused. He's got problems. And unfortunately, some of those problems is comes in the morality department and uh, I don't I honestly I take him at his word I don't think he likes too many people no or anybody at all um, he I think he walks to the world looking at everyone as if they're a rube and I wish I could say that I don't know people like that but I do know people and they've just not been given the opportunity to fuck up as many people's people's lives as possible they're just curmudgeonly they stick to themselves shit my grandfather was like mm-hmm. that so yeah do I love the movie yes I absolutely love the movie um, and I think that it will be around for a long time and not just for the milkshake line, which we skillfully avoided. Yeah. But it is arguably the most famous thing from the movie other than Daniel Day-Lewis's unforgettable performance for this, that that is in this movie. I mean, I'm sorry other actors, but he kind of outshines everybody else in the movie mm-hmm. because he's playing a multi-layered character with a lot of fucked up internal shit going on. And you know what? He's in almost every scene in the movie with I think the the exception of a couple of things I think that's it just one or two short things yeah. one brief scene where the where him and not him where HW and Mary are this little kids are doing something together and then another one I don't know there's the scene, yeah, the scene, oh, the scene that, where Eli beats up his dad at dinner that's yeah. right the scene where after being beat up after being beat up by Plainview he goes home calls his father a stupid silly man and then beats him up the funniest thing about that is is that if he had just shut up and his made a deal with Plainview. If his father had made that deal with Plainview, they'd have the money. Yeah, yeah. Plainview is not giving him the money on purpose because he's a um, ooh, he's just a little worm of a dude. <laughs> exactly. Nothing against Paul Dano. I'm sure you're great. Yes, you perpetually look like you're 13 years old, but boy, you got a punchable face in this movie, dude. <laughs> you really do. And you got to be doing some special work for us to hate you more than Daniel Plainview because we can kind of. 
And this is the part where people have to run back and call him a monster and call him a psychopath and call him this and call him that. All of us can see ourselves in him. And that's the problem. We can, we can get the dude who has to put on a smiley, happy face, no matter what situation he is. We can understand the dude who has to eat shit in order to get what he wants. We get that. We've all had to do it. You know who hasn't had to do it? Eli. That's why we fucking hate him. We don't see Eli having to eat shit. We see Eli arrogantly walk up and go, where's my money? Yeah. And immediately gets smacked down for it. He's like, Daniel, where's my money? Just, what kind of fucking moron does that? <laughs> he deserved to get slapped yeah. and a lot. Yeah. Um, but because some people may identify with Daniel Plainview and see aspects of themselves in him, the immediate reaction is, no, he's a, he's a scary murderer guy, so we better call him a psychopath or a crazy person. He's a capitalist. And if you live in the United States, so are you. Sorry. But if you live here and you got a job and you, and you put some money aside in a bank, you're a capitalist too. And this is like one of the first really good movies that says, is that a good thing? Is it a good thing that this is a thing in the United <laughs> States? So that's it. I'm saying yes. Awesome. Steve, awesome. Absolutely. Okay, good. Now not recommend something. Hurry up. My voice is okay. going. And I'm getting angry. I'm getting meaner and angrier. I just accused everyone in the, all of our fans of being capitalist. If you don't consider yourself a capitalist, that's fine. You can self-identify yourself. Don't listen to me. I'm stupid and I'm old and I got COVID. <laughs> you're, you're plain viewing. I'm plain view. That's exactly right. I'm plain viewing. <laughs> it was it was tough to, uh, to find a movie to not recommend for this because usually what I do is I go through, you know, either the director or some of the stars and look for maybe shittier movies in their filmography. And there really isn't much to pick from as far as that. The people who made this movie for the most part have done nothing but quality work uh, in their careers. They've all done Anderson films. Yeah. That, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Um, so what I did was I looked for other movies that have some kind of relationship to the oil industry. And after some digging on IMDb and a little bit of research, I found this movie from 2015 15, starring Nicholas, the remake of King Kong. Ma- yes. How did you know? No, it's from twenty. <laughs> it's from twenty fifteen. It stars Nicholas Cage. There's your first clue that it's a bad movie. Um, and it's called The Runner. And never even heard yeah, of I'd, it. I hadn't heard of it either, but I watched it this morning because it's streaming for free on Freebie. And I just wanted to make sure. Oh, I just wanted to make sure that it was as bad as it looked before I not recommended it. And it's as bad as it looked. Um, it's a it's a fictional political movie, but it takes place in the aftermath of the real life um, uh, BP oil spill in 2010. Mm-hmm. And Nicolas Cage plays a, uh, a member of Congress, a, a Louisiana congressman who is oh goody yeah you can whip out that boy and that's that's a big part of why it's a bad movie if you want to hear Nicolas Cage doing a half-ass Louisiana accent for 90 minutes (laughs) this is it Mm. um and so he plays he's a he's a a member of congress and it's right after the oil spill and he is trying to he's like a crusading politician and he's trying to help out the workers who are doing the cleanup and trying to help the fishermen whose livelihoods have been destroyed and uh uh-oh it turns out he gets caught in a sex scandal he's been oh, no. he's been cheating on his wife with the wife of one of the fishermen and somebody's got a tape and now he has to resign oh no um but after he resigns he gets a job he starts like a non-profit and he still tries to help the the fishermen and everything and it it's kind of like house of cards if nothing interesting happened like you can so oh, you can sort of see like though even just like like visually the way it's shot and the way the camera work sure. and 
everyone. House of Cards for old people. It's very House of Cards, even down to like the lead the lead character doing like a cartoonish Southern accent. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's very House of Cardsy, um, except that it's not nearly as as broad and soapy and preposterous as House of Cards was. Um, and I mean, it's got a great cast. It's Nicolas Cage, Connie Nielsen, Sarah Paulson, um, Peter Fonda as Nicolas Cage's dad. It's it's a great cast. Okay. It's a great cast. But I mean, the thing is, it's just so fucking dull. Like you would think if I sh- if I told you, hey, it's a movie where Nicolas Cage plays a Southern politician who gets driven from office in a sex scandal and he's and everybody's from Louisiana. You might think that sounds interesting. Nope, <laughs> it's not. Mm. It's not it's so deathly dull um so yeah that's my not recommendation a an incredibly b- boring pedestrian why even bother political quote-unquote thriller um about the aftermath of an oil spill the runner i do not recommend it yeah as you guys know i like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed and it's 19 something no it's 2007 and i figured may as well not recommend the worst of the worst the movie that i'm not going to recommend is epic movie oh god so i don't remember the guy's names something in seltzer i don't know i don't know if they work anymore i hope they fucking don't they made a whole bunch of parody movies and this one was called epic movie and how did they write it they basically sat down and watched the previews or the trailers for movies that were coming out that year and then tried to come up with some kind of joke around it and cram it into the film it was literally the haha the thing from the thing movie except over and over and over and over again and they made like 19 of them before they were finally shot dead in the streets <laughs> by moviegoers who just couldn't take it anymore it's called epic movie don't bother i don't know what the plot is it's probably something along these lines harry potter must go and find the i don't care if it wasn't out yet find the the infinity gauntlet but he <laughs> teams up with the chipmunks from the chipmunks movie and kung fu panda and they beat up the Hulk, and who turns and in, turns into a lady, turns into who was popular in 2007. I don't Paris know. Hilton. Britney Spears, <laughs> who's shaved her head and is <laughs> running around with a golf club, beating up people and something and so forth. And no, and these guys should have been stopped. But 11 year olds exist, and so of course they went and saw the fucking movie until someone. I think someone had to drug them and and just move them to a third world <laughs> just disappeared them mm-hmm. i mean and then they made captain alex and i know you know what you know what captain alex is still a better fucking movie than epic movie have you seen captain i alex? haven't seen captain alex what happened what ha- you know who killed captain alex you haven't seen that I, I haven't no i think it's from from uganda i haven't seen that you need to look it up okay oh you need to look it up it has the most exasperated narrator just <laughs> shouting narration through the entire thing it is oh it is so good i will i it will have to so check that good. out. They made it for like fifty dollars. That's not that's not a joke. <laughs> like it was it it was great. It it just fills you with boy, you know what? They couldn't do any of this right, but they're having a fucking ball <laughs> doing it. They wanted to make an action adventure movie and they boy oh boy they did it. So now I'm saying go see Captain Al- what <laughs> who killed Captain Alex? Go see that instead of Epic Movie or any of the other quote unquote movies that these guys made they literally had to put movie in the title yeah because 
because no one would believe them. And some of these movies are only 80 minutes long. Well, and you know, the, the worst part about all of those movies is that for as almost universally hated as they were at the time, um, they have become kind of influential because that style of humor where mm-hmm. you don't write a joke, you just make a reference to something has become mm-hmm. just infuriatingly common uh, in... Right, in, Lower Decks? I mean, yeah, it's it's like... Don't, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but, no, I but, don't watch that fucking show. <laughs> but I, I have watched it and you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's literally like instead of writing a joke about something, you're basically saying, hey, we've both seen the same movies, right? And that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, you're not you're mm-hmm. not making a funny observation. You're not c- making a comparison. You're not making Mm-mm. you're not saying anything. It's just oh, remember that movie that you liked from a few years ago? Well, here's the same thing going to happen now in my movie, and that's mm-hmm. it. Right. And it, exactly. And everybody hated it except, like you said, except for the eleven year olds. And I guess the eleven year olds who liked those movies grew up and got jobs as writers because now there is an upsettingly <laughs> large number of shows and movies where like that's the style of humor and it's sure. yeah, it's it's a, it's a real yeah. shame <laughs> you keep talking steve you're not you, you there's no way you can delay the inevitable. i'm sorry it's i know i know i know what what it's time for but what is it time for steve i i would say it's probably just about... i want you to say it <laughs> I, I am a false prophet god is a superstition not that part oh. not that part he lied <laughs> I want you to say, it's now time for me to make a terrible choice. Pretend that this, these are your parishioners. <laughs> it is now time for me to make a terrible choice. That's right, Eli. As you all know, <laughs> just do it I'm as plain view. Just, just do it as plain view for the rest of the show. I'm a podcast man. <laughs> And in order to keep the podcast fresh, we want to make sure that the next movie, I can't do it, I'll go crazy. (laughs) As you guys know, now it's time where we're going to pick the next movie we're going to review. It's a random choice. I have picked three movies, and Steve has to choose A, B, or C in order to pick it. So, Steve, please choose A, B, or C. (laughs) He has no idea what these movies are. Steve, don't worry. There is not a bad choice in this one. Because I was just going to say, the two thoughts I just had were, A, I hope I don't pick the one that upsets Jay because he has COVID. And then B was, I always pick the one that upsets Jason. So, uh-huh, and that's why I have COVID. You have, <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how that's related. You wouldn't think but, they're connected, yeah. but somehow they are. <laughs> I am going to choose B. You said there wasn't a bad there, one. There is a okay, bad one. Okay. I just had to yawn. I'm, oh, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm crashing and burning, dude. Okay. What do you want? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm you sorry. know, you, we had to do a, an ensign slug before this. Yes, we did. You're like, I even have a, a voice. <laughs> You're lucky I didn't die. Do you want me to just throw up blood to prove that I'm how committed I am? No. To making sure these podcasts go out? No. Just throw up okay. just throw up puke. You don't have to throw up blood. Just throw up puke. Just throw up like normal people. All right. Uh had you chosen A, we would have watched the uh, reviewed the Brian De Palma last good movie he ever made, The Untouchables. Oh boy. Had you chosen C, we would have watched the first good movie that 
that he ever made <laughs> of not Brian De Palma, but um, Quentin Tarantino, and we would have watched Reservoir Dogs. Oh. As you can see, there is a crime element theme in the movies that I have selected. Indeed, there is. You chose B. Okay. So, fucking finally, we are going to review what, in many people's opinions, is one of the best American films ever made by one of the greatest American filmmakers to ever live in the United States. We are going to review Martin Scorsese's Good Oh, yeah! <laughs> That's right. I don't know if this is good for you if you keep getting good movies every single time. I should have put a bad movie in there, but quite honestly, I, I'm so tired I couldn't be bothered to look one up. <sighs> And besides which, I can't think of, I mean, there are plenty of bad crime, you know, mob films, but none that are infamous. That's true. Right? Yeah. I mean, there are definitely some lousy ones, but not like worst movie ever type things. And it's not that I can think of. I mean, had I wanted to be me, I mean, excuse me, everybody, I could have put in Godfather 3. Yeah. Yeah. Because that one's pretty infamously bad. But I didn't. I was nice. So we're going to do Goodfellas. So if you guys want to get all the jokes or understand why we're talking that way <laughs> for the entire goddamn review what way i'm almost i'm literally morphing into it right now <laughs> go get your then fucking please, shine box go get your fucking shine box <laughs> oh shit yeah, and we're going to do, we're going to review, because, fuck it, I mean, why don't we just say it now? We both love the movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> God damn. Um, uh, go watch Goodfellas. And that's it. Thanks, you guys, for tolerating my behavior and watching and watching if you're a patron or listening if you're not a patron or if you are and you just prefer the audio medium so you don't have to look at my stupid, disease-ridden face. <laughs> Um, but thanks, guys, for listening in once again. For late seating, this is Jason Hart. And don't get COVID. <laughs> and this is Steve Shives. And, you know, I used to have this problem where when I would wake up in the morning, my pillow would be wet. Like there was liquid coming out of my ear. And I went to the doctor and I said, doctor, what's the deal with that? And he said, drainage. That's all. <sighs> Steve. <coughs> You're painting a very strange picture of your entire life yeah. where everyone around you says weird, inexplicable things to relatively normal situations, right? Yeah. Now you're telling me your ear doctor screamed drainage yeah. at you. Yeah. And this was like way before the movie came out. <laughs> when did it happen, Steve, when you were a child? <laughs> I think I was seven or eight. I used to get ear infections a lot. Yeah. Did you really? I used to, I, that, that part did is true. Get... I did used to get ear infections. I, I would, for, for, in elementary school, like clockwork, every year in February, I would get an ear infection. Did they put the tubes in your ears? No, they didn't. I didn't have to do that. They should have put the tubes in your ears. <laughs> that way you wouldn't always be with the screaming on my head. I got the drops. Why are you doing? They gave me drops. Ew. They put drops in my Like ears. a dog. Like a dog. Like a dog they did to you. They lay you down and they <laughs> make you. Nuts. Like they did to that poor H.W. Plainview when they needed to examine his ears. They needed to hold him down and the doctors took a, stuck a tube in and said, mm -hmm, and then flip him over and look at him and go, mm -hmm, and then he should have said, he's as deaf as a post. I saw straight through his head. 
I don't know what happened. It doesn't even have a brain, Mr. Plainview. I'm quite at a loss. Well, this is a child-sized child doll as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you might as well kill him, sir. He ain't going to have any kind of life. Know. You know, if, if you crush him well enough, he could go into the chili bowl for meat, feed your men, get some kind of work out of him. <laughs> I know he's moving around and making noises, but that's just gas. <laughs> Believe me, I'm a doctor. I looked through his head. Thank you. Thank you very much, Doctor. I'll make arrangements to have him butchered immediately. Why did you pick up that bowling pin? <laughs> <laughs> and then after he finishes eating the bowl of chili made from his son's meat, he goes, I'm finished. <laughs> he dabs at his mouth with a napkin. Okay, I need to know now, Steve, how many times do you say I'm finished when you finish something? <laughs> Shockingly few. Shockingly Maybe you should few. adopt it. I'm finished. Make you feel make you feel a little less alone. <laughs> what's the what's the there are many lines that I've quoted ad nauseum from it. Um I'm finished isn't one of them. Drainage is one. Uh, oh, and I love uh um Do you understand? That's more to the point, Eli. Do you understand? <laughs> Basically, he talks the way you wish you could talk to him. Yeah, I wish I could just walk up to a random person and go, I drink your water. I drink it up every day. And they're just like, okay, I just, just look, tell me what Wendy's combo meal you want, please. <laughs> please Let's tell just, us, please. Just keep the lie moving. <laughs> please tell us what you want. God help him if you ever had to return something. <laughs> I'm a plain man. I say plain thing. <laughs> I try not to, to fancy up my word, especially when it comes to order food from a fast food restaurant. And I think that when I say no pickle, <laughs> that that is something fairly easy to comprehend. Wouldn't you agree? Can you take my face off the fry, the fry <laughs> yeah, plate? He's like, no. <laughs> he's like holding his hand in the fry grease the entire time. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not until you've learned your lesson. I'm losing sensation as it goes up my arm. Well, that's to be expected. <laughs> Oh, what a horrible, horrible man. <laughs> but, that lives inside all of but us. But so entertaining. <laughs> all right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash lemmelisten. And... Thanks for listening.